Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's getting close to ye old endgame. I'm Alex. When you wander through the darkness and there's no sight in front of you, what do you do? You can only go toward the light. And as you get closer, you realize it's not light at all. It's Dilton Doily's giant <laughs> hog. I'm Justin. It's more than a patch, bro. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 12, Chapter 129, After the Fall. Now, brief bit of recap here before we get into it. The whole gang is back in the 1950s. There's a lot of romantic mix-em-ups that have been going on, but Betty and Archie have definitely been heating up over the past couple of episodes. Veronica had... A flirtation and tried to date Reggie. It didn't quite work out for a variety of reasons, but regardless, Reggie and Archie are pretty whole hog on being yeah. in the basketball team. Shouts. Reggie is a transfer from another school. It's either Duck Creek or Doug Duck Creek. Creek. Is it Duck it's or Doug? Doug, Doug? D-O-U-G I, or D-U-C-K? He says it like D-U-C-K. It's D-U-C-K. Okay. All right. So he's a transfer from Duck Creek. He's a ringer. He's probably the best player on the team. He also briefly went to Stonewall Prep with Brett Weston Wallace, who very briefly returned in a very racist scene earlier in the season and returns again this episode uh, in his 1950s incarnation. Uh, However, Julian Blossom and everybody else on the team have hated Reggie. They got in a car crash at the end of the last episode, as we very quickly find out. Reggie is fine. Julian is not. Additionally, the Blossom family is controlling all of Riverdale for the most part. Clifford Blossom is the mayor of the town. He is and a piece of shit. He is racist. He's a piece of shit. That's a simpler way of putting it. Thank you, Pete. I yeah. appreciate that. They are and committing to that. There's no real bright spot <laughs> going right hard on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. hard. Uh, and Cheryl doesn't love that, as you might imagine. She's also dating Tony, though we don't get even a whisper of oh, you, Tony. Not even a, this episode. Not even a, uh, but fine. another big thing that happened on the other side of town, Ethel's parents were murdered by a milkman, or so she said. As we found out last episode, there was, in fact, a murderous milkman who she murdered in turn. Jughead discovered her with the bloody knife in her hand. And now, as we very quickly back, get back to, into this episode, they're both back making comics for pet co- Pep Comics. Uh, the milkman murder seemed to be based in part on a uh, comic book that was previously written and published by Pep Comics. Uh, And we loop back to that as well. In addition, a big plot line running through there is Dr. Werther's, the doctor at school, question mark, is writing a lot of of He's a doctor of being a big old asshole. (laughs) Some kind of Illuminati going on Mm -hmm. in Riverdale. And uh, as pointed out on our Patreon Slack, uh, also wears weird weird felt sweaters, like very strange sweaters. Uh, there was a little bit of speculation about his sweater and whether it was cat hair. I was wondering, do you think it's toffee? Like, did he skin toffee and make toffee into a sweater? Oh, man. 
Man, why oh, would man, you think he, that? Why would that be something that occurs to you? No, this is uh, discussions we were having in our Patreon. Yeah, we had a sort of a thoughts mind. that occurred to me. <laughs> it seems like you were just kind of like sitting at home going at things you know, I specifically posted and obsessed over in the dark or anything like that. A think tank. I mean, if you're not going to take your your cat appropriately with the cat briefcase, then that's the kind of stuff that ends up happening. You make I a gotta cat wash that cat right so, out of my hair and turn oh. it into a coat. Uh, anyway, so sweater. That, that's what's going on with them. Uh, Betty has also been clashing with her mom. Her mom specifically said, you're not my daughter anymore in a previous episode. And Veronica also has basically been disowned by her parents and has been living in the movie theater that she owns. She's been blocked out of the Pembroke. She's been working at the movie theater with Kevin and Clay, who are dating. The gang kind of knows about it, even though obviously it's the 1950s, so they can't be completely open to the relationship. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. I'm sure there's a couple of other things we'll touch upon. Um, mm, but now yes. we're we're halfway through. I, I will mention in terms of our Riverdale time check. As we're taping this, I believe there's only one day of filming Riverdale left. Ah, there might oh be man. two. Raise a glass. There might, they might have extended a day. I'm not 100% sure because all the actors have been like two days left of filming, but also they may not know how the how time works, you know? What? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, or maybe they're what talking about of- like they posted today and they're like two days left including today. A lot of confusion going on. They were, regardless, they were scheduled to be either ending tomorrow or in two days. They are, and I'm going to put this out there, and then Pete's going to scream for the rest of the podcast, at least according to set pictures, they are still in the 1950s with one day of filming left to go. That's that's what that's the journey. This? That's the journey we're on. It's all right. It's just as real. The clothes are just a little different. They're made out of cat skin. That's the only difference. <laughs> they, well, how would you feel they get back to the regular timeline, but all their clothes are made out of cat skin? Pete, take it away. Or, or their I, don't, I just want them. I don't care if they get back to the regular timeline and they're all dressed like the Flintstones. We need them in the present. Back to where this all fucking started. Here's the thing, buddy. It all started in the past when you think about it. Oh, man. <laughs> so they should go back to Flintstone times, as I think what Justin is saying. Fieldstone. The <laughs> Fieldstones. <laughs> the- <laughs> yes. I, I have mixed feelings about this, to be honest. I expected them to go back to the present at some point. I mean, obviously, oh, this should happen. You're just like Pete. No, I, I, listen, I've been very clear about the fact that ultimately it's up to how the last episode executes itself. I have faith that they are going to stick the landing on this show, but I'm very surprised if they don't have anything in the present era, that would be yeah. wild to me. Wild. But Justin, you I, seem I fine with it. I'm very fine with it. I love this season. I think this season is, as I've said many, many times, just really operating on all fronts in such a good way. And it's whether whatever year it says on the calendar that we never see, like this is the the characters are at their absolute sort of apex and epitome of, but you of can't, all of the things. They were thrown back in time and now you're just going to be like, yep, yeah, no, yeah, it was. that's what happened. They were left in the 50s. But I guess what does, that, what does it matter? If like, the show wait, was what? always set, if the show was always set in the 50s, would you be bothered? <laughs> that's that's a no, crazy. That's thing a completely to say, Justin, different thing. 
Yeah, but but why you're hung okay, up on Pete, that being well, let's in the say, present? Let's say this. Hold on. Let's say this last season was all. We set didn't in, start in the fifties. Hold on. No, no, no. Let me throw this out to you. Like I want to back up what Justin's saying. Let's say this last season was all set in Ted Lasso, and the previous seasons were also Ted Lasso. You'd be okay with it, right? Because it was Ted Lasso all along. Right, Justin? That's basically what you're saying. Lasso up and down. If no, the I'm thing you didn't that. like was always the thing you didn't like, it would be okay. I'm not saying – because, Pete, you're not mad about the season being in the 50s. You just feel like you need to have closure at exactly. the present day. Because it's the last we'll ever get to spend with them. We started on this journey. You threw them in the 50s for some fun. Bring them back somehow and let's land this fucking plane so we can all get back but, to our lives. But I guess what I'm saying is – the thematically the plane is being landed and from a character point of view these characters are like these are going to be the final statements on these characters no matter what year the final episode takes place in so like i think you're going to get that finality like it's funny to me that you're you're caught up on this when last season it was like the X-Men <laughs> and it's like <laughs> that seems more further afield from the core ideas of Riverdale Yet you, the fact that it came back from that brought you peace, peace, peace. Yeah, I just like to, you know, you, you sh- we showed up, we got a show, it went all over the place, we rode with it the whole time. If you have a character who's, if you know, Back to Future ended with him not getting back to his original time period, you'd be like, well, what the fuck. But it's not time Quantum travel. Leap, one of the best finales of all time. Everybody loves it. Sam Beckett never gets home. Spoiler. Wow. Big spoiler. Uh, but uh, let me say, they don't. Dude, Samurai Jack, I had to wait so long for him to finally get back to his fucking time period. It took years for that to fucking that, happen. That's dude. literally the story. <laughs> You'd rather Samurai well, wait, Jack Can I throw home? something out at you? Uh, and Pete, I, I think, I, I don't know if I'm exactly halfway between you guys, but again, like, I got to follow it, whatever happens. And as long as it's satisfying, it's satisfying. But I'm just curious from your perspective, let's say they don't leave the 1950s, but they do get their memories back in the 1950s and then make some sort of decision to be like, we're going to stay here. This is where we are. This is where we belong. How do you feel about that? Well, that would be interesting. At least there would be some kind of like, yeah, you know, wake up out of this kind of fever dream scenario, you know? Uh, Well, I still stand by my, Midsummer Night's Dream Theory, where I think at the very end of the last episode, we're going to get like the last act will be them sort of waking up from this this uh, time, this fantasy that they've had, where they got to really play out a lot of the larger story elements, um, the youth in rebellion, which again, I've, I've been pushing as well, which I think we're getting much, much closer to basketball team versus block, uh, Clifford Blossom, just another target. Uh, and then they're going to wake up and we're going to get just a, a little bit, almost like a coda or epilogue in the present day. Wow. I'm I'm very surprised if that does happen, but that definitely seems like the way that we're headed, even if it's it's going to be crazy if it's like 1950s, they zoop forward in time and then it's just Archie on his porch. And he's like, I finally made a decision who I want to be with. It's. Uh, you and points yeah. out the screen, and then they cut to Riverdale. Uh, but the other thing that gives me hopes here, it, and obviously they're biased, but the cast posting about how much they were sobbing, reading the finale, and working on it. Obviously, they're emotionally involved, but I think like they've been pretty open about how they feel about this stuff, and they haven't necessarily been engaged in the same way. So they seem very into the finale. I've said this a million times, but Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa knows how to land those planes, even if they're old-timey propeller planes. Yeah, harder to land. 
heart of the land. The harder the land, the harder they fall. Let's get in and talk about this episode, though, because we do still, in our time, in our episodic time, because we're not on set, we have plenty of weeks to go until this is finished. So yeah. what do you guys feel about this episode? Uh, should we walk through the individual storylines? Because we kind of had another uh, parallel structure thing going on here. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with, I think, the big one. We should start with this one right off, which is Betty and Veronica decide mm. that they're going to pair together. They don't need no men. They're going to live together. Except, except for Kevin and Clay. They're going to sneak into the Pembroke. Betty comes up with the idea of how to break in, and they realize they can live in the Pembroke together. They decide to have a musical number to wash that man right out of my hair with Kevin and Clay. They have well, surprise that was fun. I mean, the whole like kind of setup of like, oh, the boys are coming over. Yeah, we're going to have fun. And the fact that they did a musical number was fun and kind of hilarious. I thought it was a a, a nice kind of bit. I agree. I thought this was great. It was a surprising hard cut into the song beginning. Yeah. I would have loved to see Betty and Veronica setting up all of the bubble machines before Clay <laughs> and uh, Kevin got over because that was just a cool addition. I thought it was really sweet. Um, I can't believe Smithers is that bad of a, a butler that he didn't notice there were just don't go out the back living. staircase. Yeah, he can't go, he'll hear the back. So he won't hear anything else. Yeah. yeah, he has one of those hearing tube things, but it only connects to the back staircase. Yeah, they what were do, super what do you think clear if we, about that. If we cut away to Smithers' day at any point in the season, what's he up to? There's no one living in the place. He's no one to buttle for. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting like in a, a facing the wall, Blair Witch style, just waiting for something. Uh, he's probably working on one of the greatest American novels ever to be written. Is what my guess is. You oh, think I at think the so. end of the season series, it's going to be Smithers who's telling yeah. the story? Yeah, and he does an incredible Jughead impression. He's like, and yeah. actually, it was me doing the narration the whole time. You know what? I bet he's like the architect in the second Matrix. Like he's sitting in a room, oh, sick greens yeah. everybody. <laughs> Sick, bro. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> his favorite want. Matrix movie, right? The second yeah, one. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love Zion dancing in Zion. <laughs> and, and sweaters, loose sweaters. I like uh, the part let me say, where – never mind. I'm not even going to say it. Well, yeah, exactly. How deep – how far down do we want to go? Well, <laughs> let me say, though, also – and this is a slight deviation from this plot point. We get a lot of hype on Archie as a writer. Is there a world yeah, where Archie's the one who is writing – Riverdale, Jughead Ar- is is drifted Archie away. Archie has been a musician. He's mm-hmm. been a basketball player or boxer. Uh, you know, he just you know he goes where the wind takes him, man. I, I don't think so. Just because his whole thing is writing poetry, I don't think it's prose like Jughead. We're still leading into Jughead is the story writer here. But I will mm-hmm. say, while we're on this and taking this swerve, I continue to love. KJ Appa playing young Archie Andrews here. It's so sweet yeah. and earnest and innocent that scene where his teacher's like, Well, I'm gonna read a poem. It's gonna be oh, totally yeah. anonymous. He's like yeah. squirming. He's he's like, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the poem, anonymous poem is like red hair, last name Andrews, first name yeah. Archie. We don't know who wrote it, but I'm just going to put that out there. But also, he's squirming like uh, the murderer at the end of a, a boilerplate like guy novel. In, guy in airplane wiping the sweat off of his head. I also got to say, Mrs. Thornton blowing up Archie's spot for the yeah. class. I was like, anonymous yeah. poem, 
keep it anonymous, lady. He didn't want you. He's like, I'm a phantom. He's like, yep, you know who's a phantom here? Archie. Archie's a phantom, everybody. Let's get him. This is Thornton. Drive she, she, gives him she gives him a pep talk in the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's a big it, it, Mrs. Thornton up, dude. I was. A, I got to say, this is one of my favorite Mrs. Thornton's ups. And what oh, do you guys think? For, for wow. sure. Real quick, and I know this is an easy thing to do. Real quick, uh, top five Mrs. Thornton ups. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Mrs. Thornton's the teacher that Archie's having sex with in season one, right? Is that, nope, that was that a stuff I know? Of course, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. The idea that she's brought back—if that was like Grundy, I'd be like, yeah. oh, Ooh, that would be a great way of bringing it around. Actually, no, never mind. I'm not even going to say this. <laughs> a matri- was that a Matrix Two reference? Yeah, that was going to be Matrix Two. Getting back to Betty and Veronica, though, before that we t- detoured over there, like them living together. I mean, this is a huge. This is maybe talking about top five apps. This is like maybe the biggest Betty and Veronica episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Even before uh, you get into all the, the romantic stuff. Well, yes, before I they mean, swerved was... that scene into romantic stuff, and yeah. I, I, swerve is probably too strong. But like, I was really impressed because it was like they're actually talking to each other at an extended scene. This isn't stopping after a minute to go to something else. They're actually talking and have a conversation, and it's interesting. And it's two good actresses talking to each other. This is great. It's great. And then it's really. Eight, it sounds like. You are not on the Veronica train is what I'm getting, which the whole show is now on the Veronica train. And I think we can all agree, or at least two out of three of us can agree, Veronica Endgame. Take it away, Pete. Well, I think it's it's really adorable. I mean, I'm a little worried. Uh, you know, sometimes when a new relationship happens, maybe you're worried someone's going to get hurt. Um, you know, because especially the throne, I love you around pretty early in the relationship. But well, no. I, I think it's, you know, it's adorable. The way the conversation happened and the way it just kind of came up felt very nice and cool. And like just when they were about to kiss, I was like, oh, my God, is this going to And then the knock at the door, I was like, of course, of course, they, <laughs> they're, they're not going to. But um, yeah, I thought it was really adorable. It's hard because it's, you know, you're invested in your ship already, so you can't just jump ship to another ship. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on Team Bughead and I can't go back. But, you know, I mean, this it was still very, very I like the way it happened. It was very nice. But, you know, you still, you know. Pete, do you think you'll go to your grave as a Bughead supporter? Yeah. Yeah. Last and words. When, when is that going to be? August 24th? Yeah, it's pretty soon. Checks <laughs> watch for those listening. Checks is a watch. I like the idea on your watch face you have a piece of masking tape that says die question mark. Yeah, two hands. One of them is Jughead's head and the other one is Betty's head. And when they meet, he dies. From joy. From joy. Exactly. But go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear your take on Veronica. Uh, I I thought it was great in this episode. I think it continues uh, Betty's journey of exploring what she's uh, feeling, uh, both emotionally and I think sexually. I I'm on board if that's the way the show goes, uh, but I feel like this is about their closeness and their uh, friendship more than more than an actual like uh, intense romantic relationship. But I also coming out of this episode, uh, I was like, is this show? at least the last handful of episodes, it's not about the ships at all. This show's about friendships. This Mm -hmm. show, this season has been like all about Archie and Reggie. 
it, that their friendship is the center of this show. This definitely this episode, and oh, paired yeah. with the Betty and Veronica relationship here, it's like this show is about the importance and value of one one to one friendships in this mm-hmm. universe, which I am surprised about, and it is a great center part of this season to really focus our attention on. I have a bunch of thoughts off that, and I'm going to try to keep them as organized as possible. But first to talk about the Reggie and Archie thing. First of all, love that. As we uh, talked about in multiple so episodes, oh K-Jop and Charles Melton, so good together. The way they're relating together is so good. It's clearly not the Archie and Reggie relationship of previous seasons, but I'm loving watching it. Like, And, and it's so well shot, too. I think it was... Yeah. Ron Paul Richard, who's directed a bunch of the episodes, he's sort of like the main director this season, I think shot this one as well. And from the basketball face-off, which was so cool to see between Brett West uh-huh. and Wallace and him, but the dishwashing scene, the way they filmed yeah, that, it was like it was a scene. shot, reverse shot, but yeah. then they had that great shot through the window at the end, yeah. which it like it takes it an extra mile, you know? And, and that was my big takeaway from many episodes of Riverdale, but really this episode of Riverdale, it struck me was in terms of the visuals, in terms of the way they're shooting the stuff, they go above and beyond what they need to on a network drama. And it looks great. Well, I think it's more cinematic. It's more like Mm -hmm. film, like a film as opposed to TV, which is a little bit paced up and you're a little bit doing more shot reverse uh, wide shot to cover it off. And this like getting a little like Spielberg-y with some of the angles, the montage of them from the the spotlight basketball stuff into just what, how the town's reacting to it was was straight out of like you know American Graffiti or a, mm-hmm. a movie that is like steeped in Americana and just about seeing not only our main characters but the whole town at the same time. I mean, it, as it, they were like wrestling and it kind of like panned back through you know past the window, that yeah, was like, pretty down, amazing yeah. shot. Cool. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing that I'll say on the opposite end of the spectrum, though, is there is a little bit of a disappointment in my mind in terms of how this show has treated the gay characters or gay ships or gay relationships or male, let's just say, like broadly male male relationships. The fact mm. that they're willing to go there with Betty and Veronica and explore that, I think, is really interesting. And I'll talk more about that in a second, I'm sure. But they aren't seemingly going there with Reggie and Archie. You know, they are taking the time over the course of the season. Mind you, we have eight more episodes to explore almost every iteration of shifts possible, except for the male to male ships. You know, we haven't really seen that other than with Kevin. And like how we've talked about over the course of seven seasons, Kevin has always been shunted to the side in certain ways. Even here, Kevin and Clay are very much in support of Betty and Veronica's storyline rather than the storyline being about them. So I don't know, not that I need to see Reggie and Archie hook up necessarily or anything like that, but just in terms of an even keel and actually pushing these things forward to get back to the Betty and Veronica of it all. I think what they are influenced by is this idea of, Oh, Kevin and Clay to be together and they don't talk about it, but like Tony and Cheryl could be together. Do we do that too? Is that what we do as we're figuring out sexuality? I think it would be really interesting to see that with Reggie and Archie in some way. And maybe they figure out they don't like, that's not what they do. But if the idea is teen sexual experimentation, take it all the way, explore all the iterations. Don't limit yourself. Yeah. And you know, I think, the show is exploring some of this 
the ideas, the, the difference between like American masculinity and 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 everything else. So I I see what you're saying, and I actually don't think they'll go there yeah. in the same way that I think in our culture that we don't really go there in a, in a way where like you don't see a lot of that in any form of television or movies where like there's experimentation male on male sexual experimentation unless it is about that it's rarely something that's a part of the story it's usually the main story mm-hmm. and you know that's that's a larger cultural conversation and i don't know I, i'd be surprised if they went that way but I, i'm here for it just like you're saying i definitely think it would be nice if they uh spent a little bit more time with uh kevin and clay for sure I, and I definitely hear you as far as like, you know, push stuff. Let's, you know, move the needle forward, that kind of stuff for sure. I think it's, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, push TV, push ideas, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I also think that like, you know, like we got to, uh, you know, try to, you know, because we didn't get any Cheryl and Tony at all, mm-hmm. you know, so if that's going to be the case, then give us a little Kevin and Clay or at least more of. I mean, they were referred to as like couple goals, but they're like, man, they're couple goals, but we're not going to spend any time with them. <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, it'd, it'd be nice to see them yeah. some more. Well, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, that's why, like, I know we want to see Shoney all, at all times. I'm looking at you, Alex, uh, specifically, but yeah, I actually are there don't other mind. other characters on the show? I'm not familiar. So Yeah, no, it must have been a tough app for you uh, in regard to that. But I, I do think I like that the show is willing to be like, you know what, this isn't about them because otherwise the show would be packed. At all times. And we wouldn't be able to, like, advance and find any depth on any of these issues and character stories. Um, I agree that Kevin has always been sort of shunted to the side. And at least this season, yeah. he's very happy. The scene that we were just talking about where um, the for- the foursome are hanging out. And Betty, I think, is like, okay, Kevin, remember we used to date? And yeah, I was like, hey, Kevin, oh, yeah. remember how awkward it was <laughs> when we were dating? I forgot that in light of the the progression in this season so like like i just thought that was funny and a test again a testament to friendship is the theme here talking about all this like sexual experimentation like uh finding yourself identity being in a relationship this this episode was about friendship so i I understand why they didn't go deeper on clavin it was about the friendship that has developed between all of these people that were in all the different storylines we saw i give kevin a lot of credit for you know not being kind of like Oh, you want to talk about that? You know, he was like, hey, let's talk about the goss. Uh, you know, so that was a kind of uh, nice of Kevin to change the subject yeah. a little bit. Not like, to be remember, like, remember hey, this, uh, <laughs> remember yeah. this very dramatic situation between us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's got the biggest hog? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whatever's. Uh, let's get to the hot goss. Yeah. Well, Who's good packing for the tea? I do want to throw out a theory to you about how this Veronica thing is going you, to wait, go. When you were, they were like, do you want you me to ask me about Dilton's hog? What? No, no, no. Who were you guys thinking that they were going to say? Did you see Dilton, Dilton come? Oh, yeah. I you saw Dilton Dilton. down on a piece of paper. Uh, yeah. I wrote Dilton right. down seven seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. I wrote Dilton has a giant penis down on a piece of paper. <laughs> I showed you guys, I, and you guys yeah, were like, "We right, got to get out of here." We all we all did that. We talked about this in the first episode of the show. We're like, write down who you think has the bigger <laughs> schlong. We'll put it in a safety deposit box. Open it in seven seasons mm-hmm. on June twenty second, twenty twenty three, when we're close to when the season is when the series is ending. 
So yeah. we, that was, we were very close with that prediction as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I think I think you wrote uh, I wrote Dilton and Pete you wrote the gargoyle king has the biggest <laughs> stick dick which I thought was like it seemed crazy yeah. at the time because I, I, I wrote was, actually I'm sorry it wasn't Dilton now that I remember it correctly I wrote Julian but the human Julian not the sailor doll Julian who is haunted mm-hmm. by Julian's ghost if you would have said sailor doll I would have believed you but when you yeah. said the real then I was like no yeah that doesn't make any sense back in the first episode uh, let me let me throw you out my theory about how this is going to go with this Betty Veronica thing. I do think they're legit going to explore it, like just to talk about the next couple of episodes. The next episode is called The Crucible. Based on the promo, it looks like Cheryl, and I think the synopsis as well, Cheryl is forced by Clifford to out the gay students or told to oh, no. out the gay students. So, oh, man. I think we're going to have Betty and Veronica still wrestling that. There was a Varchi kiss in the promo. I'm going to guess that is Veronica throwing suspicion off of her by kissing Archie while she is still into Betty. And then two episodes time after that, which is the musical episode called Archie the Musical, which is a original musical with original songs for the season, which is wild. Badass. Uh, I hope they perform Phantom again because... No, they're not. It's all original songs, hopefully by Imperial Mathemuth. Uh, I mean, the Phantom poem was original work, so why couldn't that <laughs> oh, be in yes. there? Oh, also, I thought you meant Phantom, uh, but, uh, not of the yeah. opera. No, I was talking about no. his hit poem. Phantom. <laughs> Phantom. Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, in that synopsis, it talks solid, about bro. Betty and Veronica talking. He doesn't know talking. how to be solid. Betty and Veronica talking Because he's about- a ghost. And a ghost <laughs> is not yeah. solid. That poem really reached you, Pete. It's All really right. beautiful. I- <laughs> the, the poet laureate. <laughs> deep, bro. That shit was deep. <laughs> in the synopsis, it says I Betty I think people should like eat mushrooms or something before they watch this episode because that poem will... Uh, t- whoo! Yeah, you're not going to be right after that poll, man. People aren't ready. Betty and Veronica deal no, with God, no. <laughs> Betty and Veronica deal with the, what's going on between them. So I think we're going to get that through at this point. I guess that's episode 14 or something like that. But I do still think Barchi is Ed Game at this point. I'm sorry, Pete, but I think what they're doing yeah. here is a very strategic, smart thing of like we're talking about going through all these iterations, and you're going to see Betty and Veronica be like. Are we in love? I think we're in love. Is that what's going on? Are we in a relationship? And they're going to try it out and realize, wait, no, no, no. We maybe do have feelings towards women, but we are friends. And we are feeling the passion of intense friendship, perhaps making mistaking that for something more romantic or more sexual. No, Alex, they said I love you to each other. That's it. It's done. Well, I do think, just to throw something out about that moment, which I thought was very interesting, I got the impression that Veronica was saying, like, I love you, my friend, and Betty yeah. was having something more awaken in her. So yeah. I do, and this is something that we've seen, like, kind of over the course of the seasons, that... Are you saying that this teenage love is not going to make it the whole time? Is that what you're I, saying? I don't think so. I, oh. I think Veronica... You know, is not 100% straight, but like she's more on the straight end of the spectrum. And I do think Betty is bi or something like that. She, Lily Reinhardt has talked about that. It it obviously doesn't matter what the labels are, but I think what she's dealing with here is wait, I have feelings for both men and women. And now she is exploring the women's side of the spectrum because she's attracted to Veronica. But again, I think ultimately they're going to settle on friendship. 
We're going to pivot back to Barchi. This is something that they're exploring for the emotional depth of the characters and the overall art of Betty exploring her sexuality and growing over the course of the season. So it's not worthless or anything like that, but I do think it's also strategically a roadblock for Barchi to give us three episodes here where we get away from that before we come back. I don't know, man. I don't know if you picked up on it, but with the way Betty was talking about the Archie kiss, there was nothing underneath that. So I really think that the show is making this turn where they're like, we're going to we're going to pair everybody off so often and so much you're not going to give a shit about who they end up with at the end. They're just going to fucking end it. Nobody's well, going to be here's dating what they're gonna anybody. Do. They're going to do they're going to do the sense 8 ending where everybody just has an orgy on the floor for like 5 5 minutes. And in the middle of the orgy, I'm sorry, they're going to. What go, was that reference you were making? The Sensei what, what? on Netflix. The, Everybody isn't that also Wachowski? Wachowski, yes, yeah, the Wachowski. Wow. In the middle of the orgy, they're going to travel back to 2023, but you won't know because there's so much. Uh, yeah, maybe that'll make so it much. Happy. So much fucking going on. Wow. <laughs> Alex, Pete. Uh, it's going to break ground, baby. Oh my yeah. god. The uh, uh, sex scene on the CW. We're ending the network. The network is done on August 24th. They're not broadcasting. They're shutting down. They're saying goodnight CW. So why not end it in style? You know? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did right. I just ruin well, the podcast? Al- <laughs> Alex has made his <laughs> yeah. last episode prediction. I guess let's put the, let's put some money down. Yeah. Uh, what else are we talking about? We talked about Betty Veronica. So we move over to Archie and Reggie and finish up that storyline since we touched on that quite a bit. Um, again, thought it was great. I really liked how it played out. Love seeing Brett Weston Wallace again. I think he's a fantastic foil. Wish we had seen Donna Sweet. Love her. Sarah Darjo Chan, mm, who's yes. also on Yellow Jackets now, is great. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good storyline. Very fun. I just got to talk about a couple of things. Um, first off, Frank is oh, his transformation into full Ken is almost complete. For those of you not listening, my th- major theory for the season is that Frank is transitioning into being a Ken doll. He's going to end the season. Just enough time for the movie gen- that's going to be dropping soon. That's what I'm talking about. It's all fitting together. And in this episode, he sits with his arms in almost pose Ken Ken pose. Yeah, the clues are all there. Um, and I love that he put Fred's Captain Patch in a cute little box. I could just see him getting a little box out. It's like a little her. necklace box or something. It was yeah, so exactly. Adorable. He went to uh, a little ring store and didn't want an engagement ring. Just got a little box. Uh, very cute. But I love this storyline. I love the Archie Reggie friendship. I love the Reggie story of him being like, I don't have dreams. I have plans. There's just a lot of great quotes here. And then later he's like, you know what? I do want to be the captain. And yeah, it was, it's great to kind of see Archie learning about like, you know, privilege and the fact that Reggie should be getting things, but Archie gets things just handed to him. So I, I, I like this kind of thing for Archie where he's learning about life and learning about other people's, you know, strife and stuff. So I think this is great. Um, yeah. And it was just, it's, it's super touching to see them be so close. And, um, yeah, I mean, Reggie talking about like, the first thought he had was if anybody dies, it's, he's going to get blamed. And, of course, yeah. that was the first thing Mr. Blossom did. So it was great. Like, I love yeah. it. I mean, it's yeah. a horrible thing for him to think, but to have it be but it's true as the reality yeah. there, I thought yeah. was really great. 
Uh, and, you know, they, they've said, like I said, they set up Clifford Blossom as just a great villain here and someone that they defeat in this episode, but is going to be back for more. Uh, Pete, you must have been psyched for the, and under the wrong circumstances, obviously, but a K.O. Kelly shout out. Here. Yeah, K.O. Kelly, baby. I don't know if he'll show up, but man, it was, uh, I hope so. so. You know, you talk yeah. about him, you gotta, you gotta bring it. You know what it's I mean? It's so funny that he's the one that they keep bringing back. It must be like that he's available, I imagine, but he's oh, great. Go fuck yourself. No, available. no, no. I, I love like, it. But it's just like for the role, the characters of the universe that you could bring back. It's just surprising that it's K.O. Kelly, but it's always a pleasure to see him. Who, yeah. who else should they bring back? I don't know. Katie Keene? Katie I, mean, I guess Lucy Hale is busy, or we haven't seen Pepper. We haven't seen oh, wow, yeah. the other people on that show that I'm forgetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know it's Johnny Boshop, but I'm completely blanking. Oh, it was uh, Ginger Gonzalez? No. What, what is the name of the character? Uh, yeah, Ginger. Ginger was uh, part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did anyway, a whole podcast were, about it. <laughs> yeah, we did a whole podcast about Katie Keene. Anyway, it's been a long time since we did that. Uh, one thing that I will throw out, and this is a little bit side to the storyline, but <clears throat> tying into Cheryl's kind of mini storyline that we get here where she is horribly attacked but stands her ground against Clifford. Yeah. Like, I loved just the physical blocking of that scene where Car- Clifford is uh. grabbing her shoulders, but... Cheryl is not moving. Like, she's not cowering. She's not scared. She's still fighting back against her dad in that moment. Um, But the thing that I was really struck by, and I was really pleasantly surprised, similar to the Betty saying, hey, Kevin, remember when we dated and going, oh, yeah. The moment when Archie goes up to give the speech at the pep rally, and he's like, Cheryl, are you okay? It just reminded me, oh, they had this whole plot line where yeah. they pretended they almost married and they almost got married and just, I don't know. It's the sort of connections you should be creating on a show anyway. But the fact that the way they're playing out is so pleasing to see because these characters have a history, even if it's just yeah. a history, even if it's just a little moment, it's still exactly. nice that and they care yeah, about each other. It's great yeah. to see. Man, that whole scene, uh, Madeline Patch, uh, perf- you know, begrudgingly having to put a smile on. Oh, my was God. Just really well played. I And like the scene you talked about when Clifford is like, I want to be in high school again. <laughs> and Cheryl's like, oh, God, yeah. uh, you're yeah. you- to make your spoiled pink lungs bleed. It was just like. Just again, setting him up as an absolute. And the very monster. idea of like being an adult and somehow going back to high school again and being your high school age, that's impossible, <laughs> Clifford. That would never yeah, happen. That would never happen. Never. <laughs> never. Definitely not on and, a show like Riverdale. Yeah, we would never do that. Plus, he should know that if uh, he's about to be dead when we go back to the present. <laughs> right. He's going to be hung and burnt in a barn, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, let's hope we get to relive that again. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. I think you could just rewatch it, Pete. I'd like to kill have him you, again. You know have, I mean? have you ever rewatched a television show? It's actually like enjoying it a second time. <laughs> oh, wow. It's such a great idea. Wow. It's so nice. <laughs> Should we move on and talk about the Jughead Ethel storyline? Yeah, speaking of standing up for yourself. Yes. First of all, Ethel, stealth MVP of the season, I think. Shannon Purser, so good. Love her in every scene. Um, But over the course of the storyline, they, Ethel... Proven innocent by Tom Keller, the worst cop of literally all time, who's like, well, that's all I need. No need to pursue this particular case. And that kind of moves on from there. Uh, but Ethel and Jughead really start to poke on it and are like a drifter. 
Drifters no, that was just so great. The way that they stood up for themselves, where they were like, just kind of go off on them. Like, that's not what a drifter is. You know what right. I mean? Like, a drifter, and this is true, idea. by the way. This is a true fact. I looked into this, and we've been talking a lot about our mm. Riverdale Channel's true facts, but never in history has a drifter killed more than two people at any one town. Yeah. Because no. they drift. As we learned, drifters going to drift. Joe yeah. had made it very that clear. Was so after funny. He was just like, they drift. Oh, That's my God. Thing. The, the way he said that was so awesome. But it was also like the way he freaked out uh, Sheriff Keller was open and shut. Open yeah. and shut. Yeah. Just, it, was, oh. it was very funny. And the way Keller being like sort of nervously like, uh, yeah. case closed. <laughs> case closed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me this is jump in the gut a little bit because we haven't talked about the whole arc of the thing. But definitely in terms of the mystery of what's going on, first of all, I don't think we're done here. Like, there's more to be done. I hope this. not. <laughs> yeah, right. They said, <laughs> I mean, well, he said open and shut, so it's mm-hmm. all over. Ethel's found with a murdered stranger, knife in hand, <laughs> and everyone's like, go about your business. No mm-hmm. notes, no, no nothing. And so, yeah. like, I got to think we'll revisit. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of possibilities in the way things could go here. Certainly more could be going on with Ethel. Like, Ethel could don't know you more dare. about this. or I, Don't you dare. I don't know. She was going Ethel. pretty ham on doing a sequel to the Milkman comic, which was well, weird. She asked that. That's but I agree with you. There was some some suspicious behavior. Going Don't you on dare! Here. But here's the thing: if they if it spins around and Ethel is somehow uh, behind these murders, that's a crazy. The lesson here is that comic books do ruin your brain. Is that the idea? Because <laughs> then, guys, I have bad We're news. In trouble. We're, We're in trouble. We're in that trouble. might explain. Do we have to quit? Do we have hundred and twenty nine no, episodes kill. of a Riverdale we podcast? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I, it just felt like maybe it's the way Shannon Purser plays Ethel, you know, because there's always this edge to her anyway, even when she's being sweet. So that might just be it. Um, I, I, while we're talking about the the comic book boss, the way he said, holy freckles, like just was so was uh, mm-hmm. just so funny and, and such a fun to see him like pumped pumped up about Ethel, like, uh, you know, uh, proving her innocence and stuff was kind of sweet. And then the fact that he was like into it, he's like, yeah, let's give the thumbs up to the man. All right. You know, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a fun moment. The th- thumb your nose. Yeah, Giving thumb a your thumbs nose up to the man. Is sort of like a, yeah, was I like, agree. The man. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> the way they were whatever used to like thumb or whatever. I was kind of confused. I was like, I don't know if that means what you guys think it means. Thumb your nose. Classic. Thumb your nose. I don't, I, yeah, but, I love the scenes with Fieldstone, the comic Pep Comics uh, editor. I guess, like I love from now on, consider me lactose intolerant. Yeah. That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> That's, That's my, my new, catch- new catchphrase. <laughs> right, and you're, Pete, you're like milkhead out here. Like I'm when ready. when Jughead was like, get it? It's a mailman. I oh, uh, that was just so. Fun. Jughead was having he was pretty sharp uh, in this episode. I love him like going against Keller. The idea that Jughead would be in the meeting between Ethel and Featherhead, uh, I was like, why is he here? Were you invited him? Uh, he's, and, her like, he's, he's her lawyer. I, yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's like why? Yeah. Um, I also love them being like, well, you've proved your sanity, Ethel, by killing. 
this guy. I was like, this is what? What is happening? Also, so this bro- is just, just to track it and throw it out there. I, I know this is my agenda. I'm still kind of pushing for some sort of wicker bed type situation where the adults in town need to sacrifice a bunch of people for the crops or the maple crops or whatever, because all of the adults in this episode were so weird. Like, so yes. weird from, like we just talked about, Tom Keller being like, well, case closed, nothing to say there, move it on, to Featherhead and Werther's and everybody doing exactly what you just said there, just blameless to Ethel. Even Fieldstone being like, just don't do another Milkman thing, that's the only one we don't want you to do. And mind you, he gives a good excuse for why, that we don't want more heat on the comics from Werther, but his first reaction was Swange, and then we didn't really talk about... Uh, Alice necessarily, which is also she's also acting like a total maniac this episode. Yeah, like my two daughters, Ethel and Betty. Yeah. I also love her just casually having her day martini. Oh yeah, and and Betty walks out and she's like, "You're gonna do what you're gonna do anyway." Yep. Yeah, uh, we do get an establishment of what's going on with Polly. Polly left immediately when she was 18 and left town. So Polly shout I'm, out. That's cool. And I think she's going to be back by the finale. Tierra Tierra Scobie posted a photo of herself looking 1950s style. So she should be showing up at some point. That's good. She was such an integral part of the last couple of seasons. I would hope they would bring her around. Before we move on from Ethel, I just wanted to say when Jughead was doing the voiceover, he was like, there's my bud, Ethel. I was like, oh, oh, poor Ethel. Oh, no. All right. Ethel loves him so much. Yeah. Ethel had. Uh, Yeah. Would you be all right with an well, Ethel head ending, Pete? No. no. <laughs> all right. Wow. I should know the answer no. to that one. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else should we call out about the episode? I know we skipped around a bit, but any other moments you want to shout out? A lot of great language used. The old knuckle sandwich. The you know, just a little, there was a lot of fun fifties language for sure. I should say, uh, quote unquote, fifties language. Very fun. Um, I love the moment when Betty and Veronica and uh, Clavin are all hungover at school in sunglasses. Wearing and shades. Wearing shades. And they're looking at Dilton just like sort of like, whoa. I thought I love that moment. That was such a, again, such Dilton like a Dilton kind movie. of was digging it. He was kind of like, yeah, that's right. That's the thing. Somebody called it there. out to me online being like, oh, my God, that gave me flashbacks of high school being made fun of. But I was like, no, no. Dilton loved it. Dilton was yeah, like, he loved right, it. these girls are checking me out. And yeah. they were. And they were, exactly. That's a yeah. dream. Dream come yeah. true. I loved Ixnay on the Ilkman May uh, <laughs> from Jughead. Gotta shout out Mary being like, she, show, she shows up at the Pembroke to interrupt. Uh, she's like, well, that's mother, mother's intuition. I knew it. And I was like, they had a dress delivered to this address. Like, <laughs> you, you do were there when you're like, both of you guys are going back? Okay. There's no intuition there, lady. You um, literally just followed hey, up give on her it. She followed up on it. That, that's fine. It's nice. I was but to make she's showing off in front of Smithers like she's a master detective. She just literally was like, let me just follow this address uh, and, and bust them. Just to check. So Mary's Mary works at a dress shop is what we've established here. And that, I think, is the same set as Veronica's jewelry shop, which I mm. also think is the same set as the video shop, probably. So maybe. Yeah, that yeah. makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah. Anything else before we start to wrap up here, Pete? The, the V and the B was uh, very adorable. The very whole, cute. yeah, the whole phone call thing. Like, oh my god, I was just going to call you. I really wanted them to be like, no, you hang up first. No, 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 no. you hang up first. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's going to happen. We're, we're going to see it. Veronica rising. Before we wrap up here, why don't we do MVP for the episode? Pete, who's your MVP? Got to give it to Cheryl. She was, uh, the way she balanced the, uh, you know, uh, I'm breaking inside, but I'm putting on a good face. But then what really touched me was her by her brother's bedside. And when she was crying and then he's just like, knock off the waterworks, would you sis? Oh, what a tension breaker that was. And just to see her happy face, it just uh, warmed the cackles of my heart there. It was really, it was a very sweet moment. Cockles, cockles. Okay. Oh, he has cackles. Oh, okay. It's like yeah. a witch's laugh. Witch's cackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to give it up for the Mandrews friendship. Uh, <laughs> Mandrews uh, Endgame. Like, I love them in this episode. I love just the way they're both playing it, uh, the actors, the way the story spins out, the way they truly care for each other. And at any second, could break out in a fun little wrestle, just like us. Yeah. Just like us. A lot of times we'll be podcasting and two of us will be wrestling in the background. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Boys will be boys. And uh, uh, I just really appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, I was going to give a shout out to Archie, but since you already took both of them, I'll instead give a shout out to Dilton's Monster Schlong. No, I'm wow. going to do it for Ethel. Like I said, I love watching yeah. Ethel. I really... She is just such a stealth powerhouse on this show. I'm very excited. It looks like she's going to be there pretty much through the end of the season, which is great. I'm very excited about that. And uh, I look forward to whatever she does next. So there you go. Yeah. Eight episodes, a lot of ground to cover, a lot of movement to happen here, some murder to really get after. I'm hoping for for us to, even though you guys think it's going to be 50s, we're going to get like a couple episodes where you're not. Thinking we're not. back in the present. Yeah, I think it'd be even one hundred percent. It'd be even crazier. Oh, you don't think like Riverdale's four. crazy, bro? You don't think Riverdale's crazy? Yeah, their, you, their you, production schedule is like last day shoot five episodes of the present. That's right. Would you, Pete? Would you like it if they went to the present and then went back to the fifties? Give me something. Wait, I actually want to throw out something else to you, Pete. And this is 100% not poking the bear. I'm literally curious what you think about this. Since they are going through every iteration of things, and they still do have a bunch of episodes left, let's say they do Veronica for the next three episodes, and then when that doesn't work out, they do Bughead. But they do Bughead mm-hmm. for three episodes, and they're like, nope, this doesn't work, and then ultimately we end with Barchi Endgame. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'll I'll be I'll, I'll be happy for my three. Give me three. Oh, I'd be. You happy. just want to live in the moment. You want to really yeah. rub it in someone on this podcast. No, face I just I just want you know something that some kind of. I feel like it's still an open wound, and it'd be nice if they addressed it. I think it will be addressed. I'd be surprised because I think they've gone so hard on Jabatha and made that like mm-hmm. such a star-crossed lovers thing. And they haven't let Jughead do any of the playing around like the rest of them are done. He's like on his own track. The yep. only thing happening is Ethel's into him and he's swatting well, away the at every Veronica thing for like two episodes. True. That's true. But that to me felt like it was Veronica and Jughead was like, what? Kiss? Oh, um, okay. Like he like felt detached from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're, they're, they're going to let Jughead drive a romantic storyline this season and like it's sort of a shame i see why they're 
so committed to that. That feels like the most destined relationship in the show uh, besides maybe Shoney. Uh, but I don't know. I'd be willing to be proven wrong on that, but it just feels like that's where they're pointing. We'll see. We're getting to the end here. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Uh, Which episode do you think they talk about the smallest uh, penises? In the, in what? The oh, that's next episode. It's in the synopsis. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs>